Ah, yes, you know, um, I've discovered, I don't know, maybe you have too, that cold makes people do strange things. And uh, I, I am I'm live, living walking proof of that, let me tell you, because normally, normally I am a planner, okay? I mean, if there's going to be something that, that I'm going to do, you know, I will plan well in advance and work out the details and everything else so that when the day comes, you know, everything goes smooth. Uh, but the cold has caused me to be spontaneous. And uh, that's a little bit different than, than my nature. So anyway, Linda and I uh, are going to be, and this is the coldest prompt of this, in two weeks, we decided just this week, we are going to go to Orlando, Florida for a few days. And uh, now, <clears throat> the only time I've ever been to Florida was on business. I led a Christian education conference in uh, Daytona Beach a number of years ago uh, for then the LCA. Uh, but otherwise, I haven't been to Florida at all, so it'll be the first time. Never been to Disney World. We're going to go to Disney World. I've been to Disneyland. Uh, used to go to college in Southern California and went to Disneyland several times, so it'll be the first time to Disney World. But uh, we'll have the, the planning kick back in just a little bit here because in preparation for this trip, of course, anybody that's going to anything Disney has got to watch National Lampoon's Vacation, you know? So we'll watch National Lampoon's Vacation because, you know, National Lampoon's Vacation is that epic journey to Wally World where they have all these foibles and things that don't go quite as planned and things like that. You've got to do that. It's kind of like when we went on um, our cruise and we were going to go on this uh, uh, snorkeling excursion. So I had Linda watch the movie Open Water in advance <laughs> of going on that thing, where if you've seen, you know, not seen open water, it's about you know, this couple that goes out on this excursion boat, and they dump them off the back, and they forget them out there, and they become shark bait. So, you know, call me sick. I don't know. But now, in advance of this, we'll watch National Lampoon's Vacation, because, you know, as the cliche goes, life is a journey. And sometimes things, you know, don't go as planned, and, and uh, sometimes things um, are, are, you know, exceed your wildest dreams. Uh, but along the way in life, God has provided something important for us, for this journey, for this trip, because yeah, life's a trip. And what He has provided for us is something that is even better than in-flight movies. It is even better than the biggest tourist traps you can possibly think of, like the world's greatest ball of twine, you know? It is even better than those things for this journey that we have in life. It is this thing that we call the church. He's provided it to us for this journey. And, and the church is really this. It, the church is God's vehicle for blessing the world. And along the way, you and I get to be blessed as well as we participate in this thing called the church. Well, in the next several weeks, these first three weeks of, of January, we, uh, we set aside this time to take a look at church's vision. So like next week, for example, we'll have a couple of mission partners here that I'll get the privilege of interviewing and, you know, things like that. And uh, we, we pause to take a look at what it means to be God's church. Uh, now, to do this, and as we're talking about journey, you know, we could have taken several different kinds of things from Scripture. We could have gone with the wise men. You know, they had a journey. It's that time of year. We could have done that. Maybe sometime in the future we'll do that. But no, this year what we're going to do is take a look instead at Abram and his journey and what he had. 
Because what we see is that Abram was the start of this group that we can call God's people. And in the, in the New Testament, it refers to the church as being the new Israel. So we can trace our roots, we can trace our ancestry, our, our spiritual ancestry back to Abram. And there we can see in his journey some clues about what it means to be the church on our journey together. It begins this way in Genesis chapter 11, where it says this, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram. Together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in, in Haran. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. Now, Abram's father set out on this journey to the promised land, but he never made it, okay? As he was traveling on this journey, as he was going, he came across this tourist trap called Haran, and he stopped and he stayed. But now, out of the blue, seemingly anyway, out of the blue, God invites his son Abram to set out on this journey instead, to go to the land that God will show to Abram. Now, as we set out on our journey together, we're going to be able to see these kinds of things that are marks of what we should do and be as the church, why it's important uh, to, to do these things uh, as we go on this journey. Now, first of all is this. The first thing we can learn is this. Be clear about the goal. Be clear about the goal. When most of us these days set out in our car to go someplace that we haven't been before, most of the time, what do we do? You use your GPS, right? Or you use uh, Google Maps, something like that, where you plug in the, the address of wherever it is that you're going so to make sure that you get to the right place. You don't want to get to the wrong place. That's your goal, okay? So the question is, as Abram set out on his journey, what would he have plugged into his GPS? What would his goal have been? Now, there's several things that we, first of all, can mention that were not his goal. And these things might come as a surprise to some of us because at first they seem as though they might actually be his goal. Okay? The first is this. The goal for Abram is not, not the promised land. And that could come as a surprise because, after all, God does say, go to this land that I will show you. Okay? But the promised land is really a byproduct of the goal. It's not the goal itself. It's the benefit of the goal. Secondly, the goal is not, is not many descendants for Abram. Which, again, could come as a surprise because, after all, Sarah, Abram's wife, is mentioned as being barren, and God is promising Abram that he's going to have descendants too numerous to count. But again, the many descendants is a byproduct of the goal. It is not the goal itself. So if these things that seem to be likely candidates for being the goal are not the goal, then what in the world is the goal? Well, the goal is this, to faithfully follow the Lord where he leads. That is the goal. What? That's the goal? I mean, come on. You know, after all, the promised land with all of its milk and honey and uh, the descendants too numerous to count, that sounds a whole lot more fun 
How can this possibly be the goal? Well, let's explain it this way, okay? Let's say that you are going to a new restaurant that you haven't been to before. So what do you do? You plug in the address into the GPS. What you do not do is plug into the GPS what you're going to be ordering on the menu, right? You do not plug in that goulash with the clam sauce into your GPS because it has no address. Blessings have no address. The goal has an address. And uh, for Abram... Descendants and land are blessings. They are not the goal. They are what are received when he follows the goal, when he goes down that path. Now, people oftentimes confuse the blessing with the goal. This is a common thing. And it's a problem because you can wind up in a different place if you pursue the wrong thing, if you pursue the blessing instead of the goal. People look for joy when it's really a fruit of knowing God. People look for peace when it's really a byproduct or a fruit of knowing God. Now, I noticed this back when I first became a believer back in high school. And I used to love to just go spend time in the Lord's presence. There, I noticed that you could get this kind of high in God's presence. You know, you could get this kind of this rush of joy, this rush of his, his love in His presence. And I got to the point where I began to seek out that blessing of those things in God's place. And I wound up with neither. In, in college, I wound up falling away from the Lord. You know? Uh, if we pursue the blessings in the place of the goal, what happens is we can make a God of the blessings. And we wind up with neither. Now, faithfulness, what we're talking about here, is not just something that is an individual goal, but rather it is a church goal. It is our goal as a church. Now, many churches can, I think probably most churches, if not all churches, probably would would claim that to be a goal, but in reality, you look at what actually winds up being a goal, and it could be a different story. For example, there's a lot of churches who um, are struggling these days. You know, and, and survival can wind up being a goal for them. Or there's other churches that are in conflict. They're really struggling because they've got conflict going on in the church. So peace might be the goal for them. Or uh, for others, there might be growth, for example. There's a, I mean, what church doesn't want to grow? I mean, there's, growth can become a goal for, for churches. Or comfort for those who are attending can be a goal in many churches. Now, those kinds of things really are blessings. They are not goals. If you, if you want to experience those kinds of things, it comes out of faithfully following the Lord. It comes out of making that the goal instead of these other things the goal. And from that, a church can experience blessings. Take a look at Abram, for example. Abram, well, Abram's line was in danger of extinction. His wife was barren. He could not, they could not produce children. They, they had no children. So survival certainly could have been a goal, survival of his, his line. Likewise, if you were to follow the Lord and, and his command to go to this land, well, there were already people in the land. They're not going to be all that fond of him moving into their territory. Conflict was likely to result. And uh, uh, as far as growth, yes, growth and comfort, yes, of course, those are kinds of things that he would need as well as us. 
But all of those things were things that he would more likely experience if he would stay in Haran instead of go stepping out to follow where the Lord leads. And none of them were worthy goals. They were byproducts. They were blessings. So instead, he made his goal to faithfully follow the Lord. And by doing so, blessings followed. So now Abram is asked to make this choice. Hold on to the land and family in Haran or let go of it and faithfully follow the Lord. It's the very things, kind of interesting, the very things that he has to let go of in Haran that God promises him as blessings if he would faithfully follow the Lord, which is family and land. What is holding you back? It's the question this morning. What is holding you back from faithfully following the Lord, from stepping out? What do you fear losing if you actually were fully devoted to Jesus Christ? What has possibly been made into your goal that actually really is a blessing that needs to be turned around and recognized as a blessing so that you can make faithfully following the Lord your goal? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 39, Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, years ago, I discovered what this was about firsthand when I answered God's call to go into the ministry, which meant that uh, I needed to go to seminary for four years full-time. And it meant taking a salary that was one-tenth, it's one-tenth of what I was making in my secular job. I had to sell my house, sell my car, I had to quit my job, all to step out into the relative unknown. Now, it killed me to watch my brother-in-law as he was driving my car because he's the guy that I sold my car to, you know. But it was a matter of letting go so that I could experience the riches of following God. And the storehouse of God is a whole lot richer than my storehouse. As Jesus says in Matthew 19, verse 29, And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Now, in my case, I've been blessed beyond belief ever since that time, really. But even if today, you know, I would still be that destitute that I wouldn't be able to afford a spontaneous trip to Orlando or something like that, you know, it would still be worth it because I'd be following the goal. I'm following the goal of being faithful to Jesus. And as he says here, the best is yet to come, because that's eternal life. Now, we as a congregation have this as our goal. And we cannot afford, as God's people, we cannot afford to confuse blessings with the goal of following him faithfully. Even when we have to let go of some things that uh, we need to let go of in order to grasp what God has for us. We need to ask, what is holding us back as God's people? What is keeping us from fulfilling our God-given mission to connect people to the living God? What is keeping us from doing that? You just look around your neighborhoods. You know, you can see you know, various people that go to church and a number of people that do not. What is keeping you back from helping them to be connected to the living God. Faithfulness to God needs to be our goal. 
What comfort zone do you and I need to step out of to faithfully follow him? And as we look at Abram's journey, we can see what this faithfulness begins to look like. Because second, we learn from Abram's journey by the priority he placed on worshiping God. Abram didn't take the fastest route to the promised land. Matter of fact, he seemed to be taking his time as he went through. And uh, he did this because the promised land, again, was not the destination. No, faithfulness to God was the destination. And along the way, he stopped at a couple of different places. He stopped at Shechem and he stopped at Bethel. And there, in those two places, he did kind of a strange thing. He built an altar in both places. The question is, why did he build these altars? And one reason might be that he built these altars to be kind of like planting God's flag there in these places, which, you know, that, that works. I mean, uh, yeah, that, that could do that, but uh, he could do that in other ways as well. So why an altar? Why, why did he do that? Well, he apparently stayed in these places for some time, and while there, he needed to tend to his need to worship God. So he made a priority of worshiping God by building these altars. Worshiping the Lord is the central activity of the church. It is the central activity of faithfully following the Lord. It's not, you know, being a Christian is not all about thinking nice, nice thoughts about God. It's not about being a good person, as popular as it is these days to think that those are the things that it's all about. No, it is about lifting up the Lord above other things and worshiping Him, even as Abram is doing here while on the journey. Worship is loving God back. That's the definition of worship. Worship is loving God back. And Abram was poured, had the love of God poured out on him when God revealed himself to Abram. And now Abram on the journey, as he's pursuing this goal of faithfulness to God, stops in both places to worship God, to go out of his way to do that. Now, the gods in Abram's day were really not gods that you'd really want to get to know very well or spend a whole lot of time with because they were vengeful, they were, they were angry, they were mean, but not the Lord. The Lord was different. He was somebody different. And now the Lord was making the first move. He was demonstrating a giving kind of love to Abram. And Abram, Abram as a recipient of that love, wanted to love God back. To faithfully love God, worship needs It'd be a priority. The third thing that we can learn about being the church uh, from Abram is that we are called to be a vehicle of blessing for the world. The church is called to be a vehicle of blessing for the world. Back in probably the most famous passage from this section of Scripture is verse 3 of Genesis 12. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, God blessed, we can see that God, God blessed Abram, Abram first, and then through him, he was going to bless the world. And the way that he was going to bless the world was the, similar to the way that he blessed Abram, which is this. God revealed himself to Abram. He revealed his character, who he was, what God's plans were for Abram's future, for Abram's life, his desires for him. And now he would bless the world through Abram, through Abram's seed, which falls to us. Because of Jesus, we are the ones who have inherited this wonderful job, which is to bless the world on behalf of Jesus. And it happens in this way. 
There's a lot of ways you can bless other people, okay? But this specific blessing happens in this way. The same way that it happened for Abram, which is that when we reveal who God is to the people around us, then God is blessing our world and changing it. He's transforming it by His presence as He transformed Abram. The role of the church is to bless the world by revealing the character, the nature of Jesus and to demonstrate to people what God's will is for them and His love for them. Therefore, to faithfully follow the Lord, we've got to reveal God to our world, His person, His character, His intentions for their lives, that they are blessed through us. Because God has provided the church as something that is far better than anything else that can happen on this journey. God has provided the church to be a blessing to the world around us, to transform it. And we are that church.